Well, good morning. We've had quite a morning, haven't we? It's been an incredible morning. What an incredible time of worship we've had. I want to welcome you and say I'm so glad you're here. And I'll welcome all of you who are watching online. What a blessing it is to have you worshiping with us. I just want to encourage you one more time, get in a life group. In fact, in between our services, if you go out to the Grand Foyer, they'll give you instructions and directions. We're forming life groups even this morning. So please, grab some friends. Whether you're online there, get some friends together, get some people together, and let's study the end times of Here's Your Sign. I also want to say to you and remind you that Tuesday at 5 o'clock, right in here, we're going to have a two-hour prayer vigil. I hope you'll come. Um, This is where we really need the church to come together on our knees because prayer is powerful, is it not? But I also want to say to you, we still really need some help in our children's ministry. Um, We need some volunteers. And it's not, we don't necessarily need teachers, but we just need some volunteers to come and help. And so would you please help us out? Would you consider and pray about using your gifts to help us lead children to the Lord Jesus? I want to say to you that, you know, right now we've kind of been going through some difficult times here on this world, in this world and on this earth, and for many of us in these last few weeks. And I want you to know, though, that just as it's difficult for you, it's hard for your pastors, too. When you hurt, we hurt. But I want you to know that you're loved. And I want you to know that you are loved probably even more than you realize you are loved. But I also want you to understand this. We're not going to allow you to continue to look through the lenses of this world. We're going to encourage you to join us in looking through the lenses of heaven. Because when you see from God's eyes, everything is different. We have a hope. And when we go through difficult times, Jesus shows up. And I want to remind you, this is not our home. So quit putting your stakes in the ground. Quit trying to build a kingdom. Quit trying to just be comfortable. No, this is not your home. Our home is in heaven. And oh, what a great day that's going to be when we join Jesus. So today, for just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you just to put your seatbelt on in your seat. Take a deep breath. Calm down. Let all of the things that drive you crazy in this world, just kind of let them go. And I want you to hear from God's word this morning. This morning I'm doing a one Sunday, a one-time message called A House Divided. Now, if you have traveled around in Wichita, you've probably seen something that looks like this, right? It's a license plate. And underneath this license plate are the words what? A house divided, right? Well, what does that mean? It just simply means on game day, people that have this kind of a license plate, there's a little friction in the house. Now, I want you to understand, a little competition, a little friendly competition is okay, right? I mean, we put on our team colors, we scream at the top of the lungs when they score a touchdown, but when the game is over, we let it go, right? We don't hate each other. 
We don't berate each other. We don't call each other names and go to social media and just throw our family under the bus. We don't do that, do we? There's nothing wrong with having your own opinions. I want you to understand that. But my friends, have you noticed in this world what seems to be growing more than anything are the things that divide us. Let me give you some examples. There's one. Breathe. There's another one. There's another one. There's another one. Oh, I just threw that one in there. <laughs> See, you guys, we all know who Zorro is. Next service, they won't have a clue about this one. All right, but anyways, I just threw that in there. My friends, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear my heart, okay? It's okay to have opinions. It's okay to believe and or on one side or the other or vote one way or the other. It's okay for all of that. But the question is, is, so where does all the hatred come? Where does all the anger come? Where does all the berating of one another come from? And my question for you this morning is that, will we ever get back to this? Or this? Ha! Or this? I know what happens in your house. <laughs> or this. I'm so glad you're laughing. In 1847, Abraham Lincoln was elected to Congress. During that time, the Mexican War was going on, and Abraham Lincoln was very much anti-war. During that year, he made a lot of speeches that were anti-war, and this displeased many of his supporters. So you probably can guess what happened. Abraham Lincoln wasn't reelected to the Congress. And so in 1849, he went back to Illinois to practice law. But in 1858, Abraham Lincoln was once again, he was elected to the state Senate. And he was the featured speaker at the state house or the state um, convention in Illinois. And once again, Abraham Lincoln gave one of his memorable speeches. But in this speech, he gave a quote. And it's a quote that people remembered. And the quote was simply this. A house divided cannot stand against itself. Now, the reason that he was saying that is because during that time, our nation was divided, and it was divided over slavery. Now, my friends, where did Abraham Lincoln get that quote? We know, don't we? He got it from Jesus. Remember what was happening? Jesus was being accused by the church leaders of partnering with Beelzebub, with Satan himself. 
And Jesus made that statement. A house divided against itself cannot stand. What was Jesus saying? He was saying this, division brings about weakness, but unity brings about strength. So, I want to ask you this question. Do you remember where you were when this happened? 9-11, right? Do you know what happened on 9-12? Do you know what brings unity to a people? The same thing that brought unity at 9-11, a common enemy. I know you may be surprised about that. A common enemy brings unity. I want you to look at this quote that a U.S. Medal of Honor recipient said. I don't want a nine, a nine, another 9-11, but I'll take another 9-12 because it united all of us. Here's the thing that I want to remind us here today. You know where unity has to start? With me. With you. We can't point the finger at everybody else. Unity must begin with me, in my marriage, in my home, in my community, in my church, but it starts with me. Would you be willing today to walk with me through God's word and just simply take a moment and look at how can I bring unity in my life? Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Ephesians, Chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, Satan would divide us. But remind us, Father, it is Christ who unifies us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the other day, I was coming to church. I was at the gym in the morning, and I was coming, coming down Secor, and I was turning left onto Central. And as I was turning left onto Central, I saw something that I hadn't seen in a long time. I saw a group of students and a group of moms protesting out on the sidewalk. So I went to church, and I was thinking in my mind, aha, 
I'm doing a message in about 10 days on a house divided. Why should I not go and talk to those people? So I did. I went back, and I pulled in at Bishop Carroll High School. And I went out there, and I wanted to talk to those people. And I wanted to tell you, I wanted to take videos and all that kind of stuff. But no, I didn't want to do that because that probably would be illegal, and I didn't want to embarrass anybody. But I want you to know that when I went out there, I told them exactly who I was and what I was doing there. I told them, I said, my name is Mark Hoover, and I'm the pastor at New Spring. Ah, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Just kidding. I didn't. I didn't. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> I didn't. I told them, I said, my name is Bob Beckler, and I'm the pastor of Central Community Church, and in 10 days, I'm getting ready to do a sermon on a house divided. I had a little cluster of individuals that kind of gathered around me, and I said to them, can I just ask you, so why are you here? What are you doing? And this little girl said, we don't want to wear masks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then a mom stepped in, and she said, Pastor, she said, we, we just want a choice. We just don't want to be told what to do. My daughter has asthma. She can't breathe wearing a mask, and so we want to be able to have the choice of her not doing it. Okay, uh, I understand. And then a woman walked up, and she said to me, this was her first words out of her mouth, Pastor, I have 12 children. Okay, at that moment, I took out a pen and paper because I thought, this woman's got some wisdom, okay? <laughs> and she said to me, she said, you know, my husband went to the father behind my back and told the father that he was embarrassed when I'm, because I'm out here walking these streets. But I want you to know, Pastor, that I just don't walk these streets. I walk in front of every abortion clinic, too. Now, when she told me that, in my mind, I'm thinking about that, that husband, and I'm thinking, stupid man. <laughs> I said to her, I said, you know what? I'm sure he regrets what he did. And she said, no, regretting. <laughs> He's been sleeping on the couch for three days. Yeah, ooh. But then another mother walked up and she said something to me I don't think I'll forget. She said, Pastor, we're supposed to be different. Different from the rest of the world. She's right. And yet, they were also wrong. You see, that's the issue in our world right now. We don't want to be told what to do. We want our freedom. You know, right now, there are a lot of things in this world that are really trying to get our freedom or taking advantage of our freedom by dividing us. It could be a mask, it could be a vaccine, it could be a flag, it could be politics. But a lot of us feel like our freedom is being violated. And I just want to say to you, don't fall for the trick. The masks, 
the vaccine, the politics, is all a smokescreen. It's a smokescreen for the real problem. And the real problem is this. Are you ready? Separation from God and separation from each other. In the Bible, from the very beginning, when God or when Satan went to Adam and Eve, do you remember? And Satan said to Eve, did God really say? What was she was do- he was doing? He was planting the seed in Eve's mind that if she would eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she would be like God. And what happened? She became the opposite of God. And when Cain killed Abel, you remember what he said? You gotta keep people away from me because they're gonna try and kill me. And God put a mark on his back. Everything that we're going through that is bringing about division is all a smokescreen to the one enemy. Did you hear that? The one enemy, the devil. And his work to take as many people to hell with him as he possibly can. I want you to look at this scripture verse here. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I want you to listen to me. Satan's goal is to kill our unity. To destroy our, excuse me, to first to steal our unity, to kill our churches and destroy our witness. Remember what that lady said? But we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to look different from the rest of the world. You see, it's true. What would bring us all together if we would all recognize, like we did on 9-11, there is an enemy that we need to go after. Excuse me a second. So, we have vaccine, we have no vaccine. We have COVID, we have conspiracy. We have Republican, we have Democrat. We have flag, we have no flag. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on, right? Here's what I want you to understand. All of these things are the very things that Satan is using to divide us. Now here's what I want you to understand. When we are divided, we form groups. And when we form groups, we become divisive. Here's how. This is how our world now defines freedom in terms of autonomy. You know what autonomy means? It means self-governing. It means I'm a law unto myself. If I am living in an autonomous lifestyle, that means that my battle cry is this. I have my rights. I want you to look at this. This freedom is the ultimate lie. And it leads to calamity. If you don't believe me, look at our world. I want to make sure we understand that. All you have to do is look around and you can see that it's working. 
Look at how divisive. Look at how many groups we have. We have fallen into the trap. Now, here's what I want to say to you and just remind you. The biblical model is nothing to do with autonomy. It has to do with the relationship. Autonomy deals with the law. That ought to be what heads us up right away. But what we are about is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about a relationship with the one who gave the law, lived perfectly under the law, and will use the law to judge us by it, right? In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay, I want to just ask you a question. On Pentecost, what was something that was present in the church? Unity. Not uniformity, unity. They all came from different backgrounds. They were different people with different traditions, but they were unified. How were they unified? In fellowship, in faith, hope, and love, which binds us all together. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, make sure, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of what? Peace. Look look at this. Here's why. The greatest threat to Satan and his power is a church that loves to be together. I hope that sinks in. On those days when you don't feel like coming to church, you know what you should be thinking? Ah, Satan's planting those seeds to keep me from church because there must be something God has for me there. Anytime something that's going on that is good that I don't feel like going for, that's my flesh talking, and I know that Satan's trying to keep me. So I'm going anyways. Why? Because I want to tick Satan off. But here's what I want you to understand. Do you realize what the answer to bringing about unity is? The Bible says fellowship. I can tell you right now, I was up in the hospital with Lori visiting, visiting her husband. And you know who was up there with me? Her life group. And I want to tell you something. In just the couple days that we've been there, man, we're like brothers and sisters, aren't we? You know what's even better? And if you don't believe me, you can ask her. All of the nurses have noticed it too. You know what? You're only supposed to have two up there. I counted five one time. And you know what they say? It's so awesome to see all of you together. So you know what we did? We went down to the cafeteria, Pastor John and I, didn't we? And what did we buy? Cookies. (laughs) I'm sorry, church, I used the church credit card. (laughs) $33 of cookies. And we just took them back up to the nurses. You know what we told them? We just want you to know that we love you and we appreciate you. And we have a church that's thinking about you. I have to tell you, it's kind of funny. I asked them what kind of food they wanted, and they go, don't give us anything healthy. We want comfort food. Okay, we got you. (laughs) But I just want to go back, and I just want to remind you, people, 
It's fellowship. It's being together. It's being the body of Christ. I got to tell you, when you come up and you stand next to someone who is hurting and you put your hand on them, it's got to be the greatest feeling in the world to know you're not walking this life all by yourself. And I got news for you, Satan hates it when we do that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians here. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says I follow Paul, another I follow Paulus, another I follow Cephas, another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? And let me just kind of tell you what's happening here. This is the church that's located in Corinth. Corinth was a seaport city. It was a place where people would go through and it was a place where they would rest and it was also kind of a stopping point but it was a very divisive, immoral, and self-indulgent city. Paul had a church there. He had been there for about a year and a half. He preached every Sunday in that church. His church was made up of a few Jews, but mostly it was Gentiles that represented the diverse community. This is about 55 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, okay? And there was division in the church. Somebody had written Paul and told him, Paul, we're having some problems in the church. And they asked him a bunch of questions. So Paul spends all of this, this Corinthians, he talks, about, he talks about celibacy, he talks about women in the church, he talks about the Lord's Supper, he talks about all of these problems. And then he says to him, but I've heard there's divisions in the church. Here's what was happening. There were divisions in the group, in the church. The, those divisions were creating groups and the groups were sowing discord. And here's how they do it. I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Apollos. He's better than Paul. And then the most holy ones were saying, I follow the Lord Jesus. And it was creating all kinds of problems. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Listen very carefully, and please hear my heart. They were arguing, and there was anger, and people were leaving the church. I want you to hear me on this, and I just want you to receive this. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to berate you or anything like that, but can I just tell you, there are people that have left this church because of the masks. There are people that have left this church because of the flags. There are people that have left this church because of our political statements. And I need you to know that breaks my heart. And that's what was going on at Corinth. And so you know what Paul does? Paul smacks them right in the face. And he says to them, is Christ divided? And they knew the answer to that. No, he's not. Again, you can have your opinions. You need to have your opinions. It's what you do with those opinions that sometimes get us into trouble. So what's the answer? Fellowship with Christ 
is the distinctive mark of the church. Now, I want, please hear my heart on this one again. Everybody in our community knows the things that we're against as a church. Would you agree? What would we look like if everybody in the community knew about the things that we were for? Don't you want that? Wouldn't it be great to be known as, you know what, that's a church that loves. That's a church that supports the hungry. Have you seen what they do in November? That's a church who even brings cookies to prisoners. That's a church who supports babies. Isn't that what we want to be known for? Do you remember what the Bible tells us? How will the world know that we belong to Christ? It's by the way we love each other. That's the difference maker. How we love each other. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Here's what I want you to know. This is what brings us together, the things that we have in common. And the first thing that we have in common is a common theme. Look what it means. It means we are to love God and love others. So not only do we have a common theme, but we also have a common priority. Look at what it says. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. What does that mean? We are to seek righteousness. It also means that we will have a common work. The others remarked he seems to be advocating foreign gods, they said, They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. What's our common work? To know Christ and to make him known. And finally, we have a common reward. Look at this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does that mean? Servants become great in the kingdom of God. All right, I'm gonna stop. We've talked enough. I've given you enough stuff to chew on and meditate. And so I just wanna remind you, we have a common enemy. His name is Satan. But I also want to tell you this, the way that we fight against him is through our fellowship and our unity together because when we are together, we're strong. We have opportunities as a church for you to gather together and fellowship. We've got Candy Rush coming up. We've got opportunities in children's ministry and other ministries. We've got the big November Thanksgiving where we give away all those meals to all of those people. But let's begin to diffuse the diversity and the arguing and the hatred by coming together as one body and not being known for what we're against, but what we are for. Today, I want to end this service in the prayer that Jesus gave us that unites us all. Would you please stand
and we're gonna sing the Lord's Prayer together. Now, as we do, I have some final instructions from Lori, Jeff's wife, okay? She asked me, tell the church, let's sing this so loud that Jeff can hear it all the way at St. Francis, and his mom too. I want you to know how much I love you, how much I believe in you, but the diversity or the, 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 the divisive things has to stop. Let's focus on who we are in Jesus, okay? Let's focus on what we want to be known for. And let's remember, it's by the way we love each other that we will know that we belong to him. So I have one last question. Will you let me come back and preach next week? Okay, good, all right, good, let's pray.